way. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for your presence in this place. I thank you for your spirit that indwells every one of us. And Lord, that spirit is, is, is the one that leads us and guides us through this life. Lord, you know the things we need before we even know it ourselves. Because you can see the end of the plan from the beginning. So, Lord, I know your plan for this church in this place. I know it's a good plan. That's your promise. And, Lord, I'm just thanking you that you give us the peace to trust in that. That we don't fret about things that are coming. We don't fret about having to move and find new locations. Lord, we know that you already have these things laid out for us. So, Lord, I just pray your blessings over this place and the people that come here. And I thank you for your blessings over this small, this, this, this gathering tonight, just allowing us to come here and just minister to them through me to, to them. So, Lord, I give you permission. I give you permission, Holy Spirit, to say whatever it is you want to say. Because I really don't have a clue myself. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well... I don't know that you ever start out speaking anywhere that you don't tell somebody a little bit about what you are. There's some people know who I am. What's one sitting on the front row is Patsy. We've been married 46 years. We just celebrated our 46th anniversary. So she probably knows me better than anybody here. And uh, I, can, I, can, I can tell you this. It's been a good life. It really has. And this, this, this lady here is, is the light of my life. I want to thank you, Scott, for uh, having me here tonight. I know that uh, I've, I've thought about you guys a lot because I knew this was Merrill's church and it's, it's Shiloh's church, and, and, uh, and I, I've heard good things about you for a while. And I kind of snuck on you a little bit. I went on your website. I read every word on it. Okay. So I know, <laughs> I, know, I know a little bit about you. And the thing I... <laughs> The thing I was really pretty impressed about is how you're so family-oriented, and that's so awesome. I mean, everything is family, and you know, God, that's, that's God. God is in the family, and I was telling Scott earlier and asked his permission to kind of tell you a little bit about it. Y'all know that we have, y'all all know about Karis Bible College, right? And you know pretty much what we do there. We, we are an Andrew Womack we're an extension of Andrew Womack Ministries in his college in Colorado. And this is our fourth year. We're completing our fourth year. But two years ago, I had it to come to me, come to my spirit, about starting something that none of the other colleges I know, none of the other schools do. But we do in the summer, we do what we call a summer Bible camp. And the Lord put it on my heart to kind of try to capture some of the younger people, like these here, that are getting ready to get out of school and maybe go to college, but something to kind of capture them and get some foundation in them before they went out into the world, before they went to college. Because really my thought is, if I had had this message in me when I was their age, now, I had religion in me. I was brought up in a, in, a, in a religious home, but I didn't have the true understanding of the gospel of grace that, we, that I have now. So my thought was, in doing this summer camp, if I could attract some of these younger people and 
put this in them. What we do is we show 12 of the core courses that we show in first year at the, at the school. Joe's already went through all of these courses but one. And they're directly the same exact courses. Well, we show them in a summer camp Monday through Thursday, and we did it in the daytime for the first two years. This year we're going to do it in the evening. We did it from 9 to 1 Monday through Thursday, and the result was incredible. It was incredible. Everybody, without exception, that came and finished the course wanted to come and go to school. And you know what was amazing about it is six of them, six out of the 16, signed up to be full-time students. And knowing that when they went to school in September, they would go back through the exact same courses again. But that's not really a detriment, that's a benefit. Because you get more out of the course the second time you do the first time. So we're going to do that again this year, except this year we're going to do it in the evening. But I had a thought, and this was only about three weeks ago this thought really came to me. I said, you know, this is so effective at the school. What if I could find like-minded pastors that might want to do this at their church? Now, I had to get permission to do this. But the, the, made this, this all made so simple. The whole camp is on this 32 gigabyte drive that all that has to be done is plugged into a computer and shown on the screen and this is not 12 lessons it's nine but nine eight course lessons that's 72 50 minute classes getting through this will really put some foundation in some people so like i said it's all brand new and i've only approached three pastors and two of them have confirmed they are going to do it. And so my pastor is the third one, and I'll confirm it with him Sunday. But he's already verbally told me, but he'll, I won't even say, yes, I'm going to do it. So if everybody I've approached some, so far, they want to do it. But imagine this. Imagine if you've got 10, 20 churches in the Charlotte area. And I believe there's probably that many that are like-minded in this area. Just because I don't know about them don't mean they're not like-minded churches. And you approach those pastors and offer them the same thing, being able to show this to their congregation, to the ones that are interested, that would take out the time for that six-week period in the summertime. What we're going to do at school, we're going to start on June the 14th, and we're going to give a week off for the 4th of July, and we're going to finish it up on July the 28th. So it's an easy time to do it, and uh, I'm going to tell you, it's impacting. It is, it, even if a, a person never had anything but this, because I know you guys listen to a lot of Andrew, but have you heard of Arthur Menjes? Have you? Well, Arthur's on here. All three of his courses shown in first year. Arthur has really impacted my life, so he's on here. Barry Bennett. Barry Bennett, uh, many students claim that he's my best instructor. I like him the best. He's got three courses on here. So I've got three of Andrew's courses, three of Arthur's courses, and three of Barry Bennett's courses. And that's what we're, that's what we're going to do again this summer with still the same intent. Matter of fact, one of the students that signed up for the fall term came while she was still in high school last year she graduated from high school this summer. She's coming as a full-time student in September. Now, like I said, man, think of all of you that have got some years on you. If you had had this understanding 
when you were these girls' age? Would you, I mean, you know, I'm not trying to turn the page back and say, God, I want to change your plan. But, you know, I just feel like I, things could have been a little different. Maybe I wouldn't have made some of those mistakes that I made in my life. You know, I mentioned to you earlier that uh, a little bit of background on me. I was brought up in a Christian home. My mother was a devout Christian. My mother lived to be 80 years old. We were brought up Pilgrim Holiness. And if anybody knows anything about the Pilgrim Holiness, Holiness religion, it's religious. My mother was one of 15 children. She lived for 80 years. She never wore a wedding ring. She never wore any type of jewelry whatsoever, never wore any makeup. She never wore a pair of pants in her 80 years of living. It's because her religion told her she shouldn't. And I want to say one thing about religion. I hate it. I hate it. I'll tell anybody what I just said and be proud. I hate religion. Because religion being what religion is, what you think you have to do for God to be approved by God is what religion is. When the truth of it is, the only thing you have to do, do to be accepted by God is nothing. Jesus paid for everything that we will ever need to be paid for. He paid for that on the cross. And so I'm, I, just, I just despise religion. And I'm going to continue the story with my mother. My mother was having uh, a pacemaker put in. And my father had already passed away. And I was at her side in the hospital. And she reached over and she grabbed my hand. And she said, Kenneth, would you pray for me? And I said, yeah, mother, I'll pray for you. But no matter what, everything's going to be all right. And you know what she said to me? She said, I hope I make it. Now, my mother lived that life. She didn't just not wear the skirt, I mean, didn't not wear the pants or the jewelry and that stuff. She lived her life. She was a servant. She, she uh, was a choir director at church. She was a Sunday school teacher at church. She was there every time the door opened and she had us kids with her. We were at every camp meeting they had. They used to have camp meetings in Kernersville under a big tabernacle. And we were always there. Every event, my mother was sold out to Jesus. Yet at the end of her life, when she thought she might die and meet Jesus, she wasn't sure she'd see him. That's sad. I really think that was my motivating factor to pursue the truth. Because I knew it had to be more than that. I knew it had to be more than that. You know, because I know why. They say the, church, the church, uh, churches are shrinking today. And it's because of religion. It's because people go to church on Sunday normally at a normal, quote, quote, church. And they go and they hear a message. And most of the time, it's a message of grace and law. It's a mixture. And they usually are listening to hearing a message... And it's something that they are doing that they shouldn't be doing. Have you ever come out of a church service and you thought, man, he was talking to me today. I mean, he was talking right at me. He was telling me. He was reading my mail. Have you ever done that? Oh, man, I know he was talking to me. Well, he was talking to you. He was telling you something condemning about your life that you shouldn't be doing. Well, my 
experience with that is I would come out of that service and all fired up and say, oh man, I am never, ever, ever, ever going to do that again. I can promise you, I'm never going to do it. And most of the time, I'd, just, I'd go down to the altar because every Sunday was an altar call and half the church would go down to the altar and repent for those things that they were doing. Getting rededicating their life. Because that's the way it was in church back then. Well, it's still like the way in some churches today. Well, that person would go home, being me, and you know what? Swearing you'd never do what that pastor said you shouldn't do, but by Wednesday you were doing it again. You didn't know how to get free from it. So you'd get up Sunday morning, next Sunday, and you'd go back down to church and you'd hear another similar message that preached the grace of God, but... See, every preacher will preach Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. You're saved by grace through faith and not of works that any man should boast. They'll all preach that, but they'll put a but on it. And one of the buts might, but you've got to live holy. They won't preach the truth. They won't preach the truth about what happened on the cross of Calvary. About the man that went there and forgave my sins, past, present, and future sins. They don't preach it because they think it gives people a license to sin. You know what? People don't need a license to sin. They were doing fine without a license. We've all done fine sinning all of our lives. But I'm going to tell you the freeing part about the message is the grace of God. That we don't have to do anything to earn our God loving us. But you know, that person that goes down there, keeps going down every Sunday morning, keeps getting a different message of something that they shouldn't be doing, keeps going home, can't get over that little thing because he's doing it again. Finally, one Sunday morning, his wife will come in there and say, Honey, time to get up. We've got to go to church. And he'll say, I'm not going. She'll say, what do you mean you're not going? I'm not going. I can't do what that man down there keeps telling me to do. And I'm not going to be a hypocrite like the rest of them. Because I saw John getting a case of beer the other week. And he's a deacon. You see, trying to serve God through religion is something that's almost impossible. People can put on a good front. And they can look good sitting on the front row of the church. They've been sitting in the same seat for 30 years. But you know, when they got something hid under their cabinet that they shouldn't be doing, or they're watching something they shouldn't be watching, and they're understanding why they can't get free from it, it's because they're living their life under condemnation. They really are living under condemnation. They, they're thinking, you know what, God cannot be pleased with me because I'm doing this. But what the freeing part about grace is, is when you get an understanding that there's nothing, nothing, nothing that will ever change God's love for you. You can't do anything that will change God's love for you. Now, I say that, but I'm going to say this. Well, what are you saying? Are you saying that I can go out there and just live in sin and God will love me? That's exactly what I'm saying. You hear me? That's exactly what I'm saying. He will never stop loving me. Now, I'm going to tell you what I can do. If I choose to do that, I can wreck my own life. Sin has its consequences. You, do, you know, sin has its price. I can be a Christian. I can be loved by God. But if I go out there and rob a grocery store and get caught, they're going to put me in jail. 
So I can be a Christian in jail, but I'll be in jail. I'm going to pay the prices. You know, God didn't tell me, give me the commandments and tell me don't commit adultery, but for one reason, to help me. If I went out and committed adultery on this woman, she'd leave me. I wouldn't have her anymore. It'd bring sadness in my life. My life would be wrecked. And God knows that. So these commandments that he gives us are not commandments that say, if you don't do this, I'm not going to love you. No, he's saying, these are things that will help your life. These are things that don't, 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 don't lie, don't steal. Those things, if you don't do them, will help your life. But the message of God's grace is his unconditional love for his people. And, you know, that's what we try to teach at Karis Bible College. You know, if in the end of two years, a person that comes to that school and commits herself and sits there through two years, I mean, man, you get blasted at this school. First-year students, and Joe's one of them, he basically sits under the Word three hours a day, four days a week. And that's all he gets. It's just one message after another. You know, he gets inundated with the Word. And many times, he'll, they'll come out of there kind of shaking their head, depending on the instructor, but they'll come out of there kind of shaking their head at what power came out of that lesson. But what changes us? The Word changes us. Romans 12, 2 says, Be ye there transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may know the good and perfect will of the Father. You know, that's what's changing us. The Word is what changes us. You know, when we get saved and receive, uh, receive Jesus, you guys are right now in a study on spirit, soul, and body. So all of you know what's happening in spirit, soul, and body. When you accepted Jesus, what happened? You immediately, your spirit got changed. You know, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, You are a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. That moment that you accepted Jesus, bam, you got a brand new spirit. you got the same spirit that dwelt the Lord Jesus Christ. Y'all know that from your study. But you know what else you know? Everything didn't change. Your soul didn't change. Your body didn't change. So that's got to be renewed. Well, how does it happen? The same way it happened for all of us. I mean, my story is that I, even though I was raised in that strict religious home, when I got 17 years old, I left home. And let me tell you something. I rode with the devil on my shoulder, listening to him for many years. I've been a Christian for 35 years, but I rode a lot of my life serving somebody other than Jesus. But you know what? I got saved when I was about 10 years old. And people say, what did you get saved from? I may, have not, I may have started living my life and not recognizing the Jesus in me. And I may have tried to forget him and discount him. But you know, his promise was the same for me at 10 as it is anybody that's 50. He says, I'm going to come in you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. He was always there even though I wasn't recognizing him. And, you know, that's the way it is. But really what changed me, I'll tell you what happened that kind of turned my life around. Passing myself, we're living in Shreveport, Louisiana. And uh, we were both selling cemetery property. And uh, that's, a, that's another story, but we were. And this particular night, she wasn't with me on this appointment. And that was unusual in itself. 
But I went and knocked on this guy's door, and his name was L.A. Warnicks. It was an, I had an appointment to try to sell him cemetery property. And when I knocked on his door, he invited me in, and his wife wasn't home. And when he invited me in, it was into his little library, and had all these books all around and everything. And when I stepped in the door, he looked right at me, and he said, Son, do you know Jesus? And I went, I, 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 you know, well, what do you, I mean, I hear, I, I, I was in the world. I was doing drugs. I was drinking. I mean, I was doing all that kind of stuff. And he says, do you know Jesus? Well, you know, I first want to tell him, oh, yeah, I know him. But anyway, long story short, he reaches over and pulls a book off of the shelf. And the book, all I remember about it, it was a red cover book, had numbers all over it. And he took that book and set me down and showed me in about ten minutes how the Bible could not have been written by a human being. It was a, it was a book on numbers. And if you've ever heard or done any kind of study on the Bible being a book of numbers, it's pretty interesting. Some people think it's of the devil, but I can tell you it's not. And what it did for me, being a very analytical person, it proved to me that the Bible could not have been written by a human being. He'd like go down seven verses over seven words, and here this would be, and he'd show me this and this part of it. Well, it just, it just flipped me. So I went home that Saturday night, never even opened my book about trying to sell him cemetery property. I went home that night, and I told Patsy, I said, we're going to church Sunday. She said, we are? I said, yeah, we're going to church Sunday. She said, it's not Easter. I said, we're going. And this guy went to a little Baptist church. And so Sunday morning we went, and that was a start. And we only stayed in Shreveport for a couple more months, and they moved us to Ocean Springs, Mississippi, which was close to Patsy's original home in Mississippi, and gave us a cemetery to manage. Well, I started going, kept going back to church. Well, Patsy was raised in a uh, missionary Baptist church, which is about the same as the Pilgrim Holiness Church, equally as religious. Nobody there wore pants. Everybody wore dresses below their knees. Matter of fact, the young girls didn't even cut their hair. She was raised in religion just like I was. But it was on a Sunday night, and I remember it like it was yesterday. And Brother McGee was up there giving the message. And at the end, they played the altar call. And guess what the song was? Just as I am. Probably brought more people to the Lord than any other, any other hymn in the hymnals. Is just as I am. Well, I'm going to tell you what, the Holy Spirit moved on me that night. And even though I'd been saved, got saved, but he just came back to me. And I can remember it. I would have crawled over those benches to get down to him that night. And I went down, I threw my arms around his neck, and I was crying like a baby. And I said, I don't know what to do. I, I just don't know what to do. Well, let me tell you what, that was a turning point for me. I went home and went out in the woods the next day and pulled up my pot plants because I had pot growing out in the woods, you know, because I smoked pot. I, did, I didn't just smoke pot. I did all kind of drugs. They wasn't a drug I didn't do. They, I, you, I mean, you could probably name some today because I hadn't drunk drugs in 25 years, but, but I, there wasn't anything I didn't do. I'd done it all. But, you know, I was, I was going to turn my life around. And here's the thing that, that really got me turned around. There was one Saturday night. I had all the kids, and we was watching the Miss Mississippi Beauty Pageant. And a young lady that won the pageant got up to the stage, beautiful young girl, and she gave credit to Jesus 
She said, what I do every day, I read a chapter in the Old Testament, a chapter in the New Testament, and a chapter in Proverbs. And I'd been wanting to read the Bible, but I didn't know how to start. And I'm not sure that was the correct way to start, but that hit and that sunk into me. So I started reading a chapter in the Old Testament, chapter in the New Testament, chapter in Proverbs. And I did that for 20 years. Still read the chapter in Proverbs. But that was a plan for me. But you know, I was telling Andrew about my experience. Because you hear people talk about when you get saved, they, well, man, I never took another drink. I never smoked another cigarette. The moment I got saved, I got cleansed from all that. Didn't happen that way with me. I smoked pot for another 14 years. 14 years. This person reading their Bible every day and still smoking pot. You say, I had people to say, what did you get saved from if you still did that? I was one of those religious people that couldn't get free. I was trying to get free on my own self-will. I had guilt and condemnation all in me. And what will happen to you when you're trying to rid yourself of a habit and you don't, you're not assured that God loves you unconditionally, you'll get to put a low value on your own life and you'll say, well, what the heck? I'm going to hell anyway. Let me just go ahead and do this. And you'll give in to it. But when you know, and you know without every knowing in you that God loves you and that love He has for you is so unconditional, there's not anything you can do. I'm going to tell you something. Your life changes. Things start to change. Things I could never give up, I gave up. And I, I told Andrew, I, I explained to him the whole deal. I said, hey, why is that? Why did it, I have to go that path? And I've heard people say, that, you know, the moment I got saved, I never did any of that stuff again. Well, maybe they were lying. But I wasn't. And Andrew said, what happened, Ken? He said, if you had tried to stop all that stuff right then, it's like going down the road 90 miles an hour and trying to make a U-turn. He said, what changed you is what changes all of us. It was that written word that you were reading every day. See, that's what changes us. You know, when you read scriptures like Proverbs 3, 4, 5, and 6, trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He'll direct your path. You know, when you get those things inside of you, you get that understanding. You read Romans 12, 1, it says, Make yourself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. You know, those things get in you. That Word is life. That Word, is it, it breeds life in you. And it's not like you're going to be this some perfect person. I'm not perfect. My goodness, I do things every day that I'm, I'm, and even some things I don't, I don't even know I'm doing. Some people think there's just 10 commandments in the Bible. There's actually 613. I've never counted them all, but I heard that from somebody that I believed it. There's a lot of commandments in the Bible. There's commandments that every one of us probably break every single day. And the truth of it is, it says in James, what is it, 7.10 or 10.7 or something, says you, if you're guilty of breaking one of the laws, you're guilty of breaking all of them. So you better have an understanding of what happened on the cross. You better have an understanding that your sins are forgiven past, present, and future. You better have an understanding that the God in heaven loves you and it's unconditional. And I can tell you, when you get that understanding, you get free. 
one of these lessons that's going to be in that summer Bible camp is from the pastor, Arthur Menjez. And she was at school when I got this, when this happened to me, wasn't you? It was a course on Let Freedom Reign. He hadn't had it yet. Joe hadn't had it yet. I always save this course to the end of the school year because I want to send them out of there with their pants on fire. I want to send them out of there knowing, and I hope it affects every one of them the same way. But this message is about God's unconditional, and it was the way, it was not anything I hadn't heard, but it was the way he presented, the anointing that was on him that when he presented it, that it, it was, it, it, I finally got set free. Now this was only about three years ago. And you say, well, you've been a Christian 35 years, and you're sitting here talking about the grace message and all this kind of stuff, and now you're telling me you just now got set free? Yes, that's what I'm telling you. Because I can tell you right now, there are a majority of Christians sitting in churches today that are not free. But let me tell you what happens to you when you get free. When you get free, you're free. And I can tell you this, you ain't going back. I'm not going back. I'm never going back under the guilt and condemnation I came from. I'm never going back to be a halfway Christian believing that maybe I'm free if I do this. I'm never going back. And I can tell you my life has never been the same. So why am I so high on Karis Bible College and what it teaches? What did Jesus tell us to do? He told us to go make disciples. That's what we're doing. There's one of them that was made right there. She's in the workplace right now. She's having lunch with friends. She is being a disciple of Jesus wherever she goes. And I can tell you right now, she's a better disciple from going through Karis Bible College. I could have her to get up here and she could give a better message than I could. She has been through, she's been through it. And I'm not trying to say anybody's lesser if they don't. But you know what? I just, I mean, we got, we got a graduating student, Rogers, this year. He's accepted an associate's pastor's job. I mean, so he's going right from school right into an associate's pastor's job. We've got another student that's graduating this year that's working, uh, got hired on the, for the Dream Team in Charlotte. Y'all know about that? You know, the Dream Team's in California. Ministers to thousands and thousands of people. They're now here in Charlotte, and she got hired by the Dream Team. She goes out every Friday night on the streets at 7.30 and ministers to the homeless. Our second year night class is going next Friday night with her. There's going to be six of us that's going to go out with her and we're going to minister to the homeless. She does it every Friday. But you know what? It's because when you get this truth inside of you, you don't want to keep it inside of you. You know, we're in a, we're in a delicate time right now. We're in a time where things are happening that many of us don't have an idea that's happening. I just watched a, uh, an interview on Sid Roth. It was on YouTube, but did you tell me about it? About Tom Horn? Yeah. Yes, yes. I watched that Tom Horn interview. Well, since then, I've watched two CDs on that subject just to kind of heighten my understanding. And I'm not going to really talk about that a lot, but I want to talk about it in this aspect. They are uh, enhancing humans now. They've been doing this for years. 
Things that we think are a hundred years in the future are happening right now. And when I watched that interview, which is about an hour and 45 minutes long, and it talked about all the things they're doing, and it compared them the time, the enhancing of humans to what happened in Genesis chapter 6, where the angels, the demonic angels, came down to earth, and they, they uh, married these, these women and produced children from these women. This is the same thing. It's not the same way they're doing it, but it's the same thing. Well, what did God do? He destroyed the whole earth. He caused a flood because there was no genetically correct human being on the earth because of that. Noah was the only one. And so he had to start all over again. When I watched that interview, the whole thing that I thought about when I was watching that, it kept coming up in my spirit of how close we are to the second coming of Jesus. Guys, we are close. I know people have been saying that for a thousand years. I know they have. They were saying that shortly after Jesus went to back to the Father. But I can tell you right now, we are close to the end of this age. We're close to the time when Jesus comes back. You know, it's our responsibility to take that person we know that's a good friend of ours that does not know anything about Jesus, to tell them something about Jesus and to tell them in a way that, that will draw them. The Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads a man to repentance. But you know what? He's got the Spirit in us. Just release him and let him do what he wants to do. But let's gather in as many as we can gather in. I think this thing I'm just proposing to these pastors... I don't know how many churches will do this. But you know what? I envision it being done all over the country. Because the school's watching me. And it's not like I think it'll work. Sixteen people that completed, six of them signed up to be Karis Bible College students. What if every Karis Bible College in the United States was doing the same thing I'm proposing here in Charlotte? And you got 40-some schools, or 70 schools all together, but you got 40-some schools that are doing exactly what we're doing here. Look at the influx of people coming into Karis Bible College to be students, to be trained, to be disciples. Look at the effect that could have. It could be, it could be incredible. So I'm just praying and believing that the Holy Spirit is behind all this, that it's not Ken, it's not me, it's not my idea, it's his idea. He's just using me to speak through me. Because, see, every day, every day, me and Patsy sat at the breakfast table last week on a Thursday, and I said, my prayer was at that table. I said, Lord, give us the wisdom to stay out of your way today and let you do what you want to do. Well, that should be all of our prayer. We've got a spirit inside of us that is the spirit of Jesus Christ. It says in Ephesians that he's given us the spirit of wisdom and revelation of him. That's what he says. And there's no big and little Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit in me is in you. The same one that's in Jesus is in you. You've got as much power in you as anybody that's ever been born on this earth. You've got as much power as you as Andrew Womack does. You do. All he wants you to do is just release it. That's what he wants us to do. Have the boldness to just say it and release it. Have the boldness just to take a step in that direction and let him do the rest. He's not, we're not leading our own lives. If we are, we're messing up. You know what? It's 8.30. I could do this all night, but I'm not going to. 
And y'all say, Amen. <laughs> anyway, I want to thank y'all again for having me here. Because I'm telling you something. I love to be in the company of people that love Jesus. And there's no question, there's not anybody in this room that doesn't love Jesus. Now, your commission is, go out there and tell somebody. Go out there and tell them what a place you go to. Tell them how Jesus is taught in this place. Tell them how their life can be transformed by coming and hearing more about the one that transforms lives. You know, and, and just don't have to think of something to say before you speak to them. Just do like I said at the beginning of this. Just release the Holy Spirit in you to do what He wants to do. Ask Him. Say, Lord, help me to get out of your way today and let you do what you want to do in my life today. And let Him take responsibility for it. You take the step, but I can promise you, all He's asking you to do is take the step. And He'll lead you the rest of the way. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says He's got a plan for all of us. You know what He promises in that scripture? At the end of it, he said, the plan's a good plan. So all these things that happen to us in the course of a day, in the course of our life, we can rest assured and know something for a fact. That the end of the plan he has for your life, my life, and all of our lives is good. So if we rest in that, we've got peace. All right, thank you all very, very much.